Hey, welcome back to another follow-up conversation where we're talking about what does it mean to follow Jesus together today. Uh, this is Britton, and I'm here with a friend of mine, actually. Not just a friend. This is a neighbor of mine, Jeff. Jeff, welcome to the to the podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me here. Appreciate it. You know, it's funny, Jeff. I was trying to think about how did we get connected and how do we get to know each other? I mean, I, obviously I see you walking around the neighborhood and uh, it was one of those things I just would know about you. I mean, I, I know one of your, I know some of your neighbors down, I mean, you're like that right next to me. You're just down the street and around the cul-de-sac. So I knew about you, but I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't we really get connected where I saw a Facebook post of yours about your wrestlings and what it meant, meant to be the church and your experience with the church. And then we got connected more intentionally. Was that, is that right? Yeah. I think I was uh, just voicing some of, to your point, like what I was wrestling with. And I think you sent me a message on that. And I think uh, there had been some maybe highs before that or some, some subtle things like that. But that, that was the, that, that precipitated one of the, the more intentional conversations that we had. So we took it from uh, Facebook friends or acquaintances to right. friendly uh, neighbor hellos to an actual conversation. All right, that's good. That's good. That was my recollection as well. I was just thinking, like, how did I get to know this guy? This guy's awesome. I wish I would have gotten to know you earlier, but it's been a really wild I feel like year together in this journey. Uh, a lot of our relationships started, again, because of your, your wrestling with what does it mean to be the church. And that happened, uh, a lot of your wrestling started because of COVID. Is that right? Yeah, so uh, early on, it's, uh, so was it March? Like all these churches are closing down and, and a bunch of neighbors, uh, one of them in particular, reached out and said, hey guys, we don't know how long this is going to go on for. This COVID thing will probably be done in like two or three weeks. But let's, uh, in the meantime, wonder if you all would be interested in gathering outside uh, for some sort of church gathering of sorts. And so we kept it pretty simple and they led that first one. And uh, there was some Bible reading and we sang some songs out of uh, uh, just like a speaker. It wasn't anything fancy. And uh, that that's what started it. Uh, and then the second week, somebody led, uh, we changed who was leading and somebody else led. And after three weeks, it did not stop. COVID had not ended after three weeks. <laughs> yeah, do you remember that? When I was like, oh, yeah, we'll be back together in like three or four weeks. No no problem. And here we are almost a year later. And our world is not even close to the same. Crazy. So tell me, okay, you start doing this. Um, families start rotating. You just start functioning as the church together. Like, what are you feeling in the midst of this? How, how are you being affected as a family during functioning as a church in a very different way than you're used to? Yeah, so I think uh, a few variables were going on here. One, we had the uh, church that we, like everybody in our, what we call uh, our little cul-de-sac church, we called it. Uh, We live on a cul-de-sac. And uh, everybody was attached to their own uh, established church, for, for lack of a better word. And so uh, I think we all were trying to figure out, like, what are we in this? And none of us were going to the same one. That's what was so unique. It's not like we had a bunch of people from a one church that was all joining. I think there were, like, eight or nine different families, all from different churches, and we're like, oh, we don't know what this is. And so we start meeting, and something—and it feels—at first, you have to get over the—it uh, feels kind of weird not having somebody up front preaching at you, so that's uh, it's a little different. Uh, it feels weird, like, owning part of the process of, like— I'm bringing the word today. I better be on my game because this is <laughs> this is the word of God. 
Uh, the the uh, the songs were uh, it was surprising how um, how that was okay. How even playing it through a speaker was uh, it worked. It worked for us. And then I think the big thing that we had that, that so many of our peers lacked since the beginning of COVID was the community of believers that they talk that, that is consistently throughout Scripture, and uh, we we would talk to peers who'd be uh, watching some church online and. Uh, and, and they'd get the content, but but a lot of them didn't have the community of believers. And from the start, when felt just so uh, isolated and lonely, and a variety of things with COVID, that was every single week the the highlight of our week in the early going. So you guys obviously met longer than three or four weeks. You kept going through the summer, is that right? Correct. So we kept going, and, and the process was it, it's like this. Uh, I don't know, like, like, like if you're a guy and a girl who are dating in the early relationship and you're just waiting for the other person to say, like, what are we? Like, <laughs> like, what are we doing here? And so periodically somebody be trying to like define the relationship or something like that. And it was never, we were never really quite sure what we were, but we are, but we are always sure that we wanted, but, but it was good. And you just wanted to continue it a little bit longer. And so we continued on through the summer and, uh, People, some people be gone uh, occasionally, obviously, and then uh, just rotating week after, at the end of every, uh, it's not a service, at, at the end of every gathering, we just ask the question, so who's leading next week? And then somebody else steps up and said, I, I got it. And so we continued on throughout the, the summer and then what, early fall, some churches started going back. So, so that, that led to more conversations about what's going to happen with that. And it was funny, like even those people that were starting to go back to some, uh, uh, my wife and I never really went, uh, we never went back to what our established church was because I was, we were also wrestling some, through some uh, um, other struggles we had with maybe the uh, systems like that. But um, even as other people were starting to go back to theirs, they they still wanted to find a way to continue to meet with what we had, uh, and and so uh, we did that. And then eventually churches closed down again, and we're it's winter and it's cold, and we're bundling up, and we're still meeting weekly right now. No kids, still meeting outside together as a cul-de-sac church. So, uh, in the last few weeks, we've just been reflecting upon how, like, since the the history of Christianity, people have gone to such incredible lengths to meet and study the Word of God, and, uh, and and worship with each other, and be with believers, and encourage each other, and because it feels kind of crazy at times when we're out in, I think it was like 20 degree weather, and snow's all around, and uh, but it's worth it, and we have, uh, I know some some churches in this community, or some people have gone inside, and we have folks in our, our group that don't necessarily feel comfortable with that, for whether vocation reason, or, or, or other other reasons, but uh, but we wanted to meet together. So our answer was we are going to continue meeting outside. We'll keep that airflow going. And that's what we're doing. That's awesome. Okay, so tell me, what do you think that is where you've got these people, where churches are opening back up, you have these people in the cul-de-sac church going, I, I, I'm going back, but I still want to do this. Like, what do you think that was? Why were they still kind of drawn back to what was going on uh, at the end of the street there? So I think... Uh, Biblically, there's there's a lot of things. There's a lot of needs the church meets. So we we oftentimes focus on the content piece, like the the pastor up front who has uh, the word of God, right? He's bringing that, or uh, maybe she's bringing that. Uh, we have the, the band that that's rocking it, and that inspires us to get closer to God. But there's there's so many variables about what it means to be a 
a community, a, a, a church, a community of believers. And uh, primary is meeting together. Like, um, and so, and there's some other things too, but um, so I think that's a big thing because even the friends that could go back to the church, uh, churches have, um, for safety reasons, many of those that even are meeting are, are pushing, like come in, consume the content, and then then leave. And so I've talked to a lot of people where, they would even going back to the established church that that they would have said in the past has meant so much to them has left them feeling so empty and hollow and it's this idea of we're going and our our pastor is still saying the message and it's it's probably just as good as it was before and the worship band is still doing their thing and they're they're probably just as skilled as they were before but but somehow we feel so lonely and isolated and it's uh it's, it's this odd phenomenon where you can actually feel, I think, more lonely when you're going with people and then you don't have that relationship than if you had actually maybe not even gone there in the first place. And so I think our, our community and us specifically have uh, really resonated with that piece of uh, c- certainly the Word of God, certainly being able to um, to uh, present at times. I don't know, present's not the right word, to, uh, to share, uh, but also being with each other in community. Well, I mean, I think that's a huge part of it. I think like if you were alone and isolated during COVID and you go back and even if it's not what it was and you're kind of distanced and you kind of leave, like, I guess, you know, for a lot of people, that's, that's better than nothing. But it sounds like you guys have really experienced deep fellowship, deep uh, community, like practicing the one another's together. And so when you've experienced that, that makes total sense. You go back, you're like, wait, wait, I'm not experiencing it there like I'd hoped but I'm experiencing here. I, I could see and understand that the internal struggle and wrestle that people had. And I, I'm curious for you, uh, what did that community look like for you and your family, even practically? Like, what did it look like um, as you loved one another, as you served one another, as you bared burdens with one another? Uh, what did that look like for you guys? You're speaking more to like 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 what went on in the Sunday piece, or what went on like in other pieces? Of well, life? I think that's interesting. E- even that question is really interesting because. Right, we tend to describe church as the thing I go to, rather than this is a spiritual family whom I'm family with all the time. And you know, I just think about some of the stories you were telling me early on. You'd get together Sunday morning in the cul-de-sac, but as that community grew, you were starting to tell me stories over the summer of how you're meeting practical needs, how you're supporting each other, how you're you're being a spiritual family uh, outside of just getting together for an hour on a Sunday morning at the end of the cul-de-sac. So I, I think one of the beauties about being with, with neighbors is you, you see people's lives, you see what's going on. And in that particular stretch of time, my son was having a pretty big surgery that was going to put him in the hospital for uh, about 30 days. And uh, my wife was going to move to the hospital with him for 30 days. And so that left me with my other three boys. And that was that was pretty daunting. That was uh, I was working full time, trying to take care of the other three boys who are also struggling because they, they miss their mom and they miss their brother. And our community who got to see that every day, oh man, what? Wow. Uh, I mean, some people did our laundry. One person said, "Hey, we got laundry is probably going to be a hard thing." I, I don't know if this is weird, but can I can I do your laundry? Wow. Another person said, uh, "Let's uh, started a." Um, 
like uh what do you call them like food meal things uh food meal things i guess like uh like those oh yeah like me- a meal train meal train yeah, yeah 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 so we had we had meal trains coming to us for that continued on for for quite a while um many many weeks maybe even months with that we had we had folks who were who were landscaping at our house we had folks that were uh grocery shopping um Said, she said, hey, this is just kind of my thing. I, I, I go grocery shopping every this time, every week at this time. If you could just give me a list, I'll get you the groceries for you. We had people giving us money. We had people giving us, uh, wow, just the, the amount of support and, and care was, was just unbelievable. Our, our community was. And then when he came back, man, when, when he came back from the hospital, there, was, uh, there were signs in our yard. There were signs when he left that said, uh, Andrew, you got it, buddy. Like our little seven-year-old who was scared of what was going on, all these signs all over our yard. And then when he came back, they had, uh, there, there were more signs waiting for him. And we had like a, like a, it wasn't a fire truck parade, but it was, it was like a mini parade with like people were there rooting for him and cheering him on. And, and my wife still has it captured on video. Just such a beautiful thing. And just, just amazing that that many people care at that level. That's amazing. Um, Talk to me more about that. Like, obviously, your kids have really experienced the life of this cul-de-sac gathering, this cul-de-sac church, and your your kids have been a part of this. They come every every Sunday morning. They're part of the life of it and experience the benefit of this, of seeing the neighbors come alongside of, of you guys to care for you. How has it impacted your kids? I think we all learn how to go through the motions in life and do what we need to do to be nice little responsible citizens. I think that works uh, as adults, we figure that out. And I think as children, you figure that out. And our kids have been in church for a while and they've figured out the pattern of how to go to said kid program or to participate in a way that is engaging just enough. What, what, what this forced our kids to do was engage at a different level. Suddenly, there was the possibility that they were going to be called on for an opinion. Suddenly there was this possibility. They didn't even have to be called on. They could share. They, they're, they're praying with us every week. They're, that, what I had talked about with my son, man, right before that surgery, we had the seven-year-old from the other family who said, I, I want to pray for Andrew. And he led prayer. And then my boys were praying for different things too. And it's just, it's crazy. Like the amount of, it just, it just, um, man, just care, people caring at that level and their kids caring at that level. And so, so our kids got to see that. Our kids got to see what the other kids thought and, and the, what the other families, uh, how they perceive the situation. And, our, uh, and, and then they get to share at times and they get, to, uh, they get to pray at times. This last week or two weeks ago, for the first time, we had our first Youth Sunday. <laughs> so I, I don't know if that's like, maybe I just use that term being in the institutional church for so long, but we had all people under, uh, under about 17 leading our, our, our group that day. That's awesome. So that was, that was fun. It was something different. So our kids have, it's just been a different experience for them. It's been a, a life-giving experience for them. That's incredible. So obviously this has been hugely transformational for your family. How has this shaped your understanding of the church? How has this affected what you understand God's heart and desire uh, for his church to be? That's such a big question. And so there's a lot of... All, all the while this is going on, and I'm having this personal experience, 
I'm noticing some ways that the that that I feel like it has not worked in systems that that I've been a part of or, or that I've seen from afar. And I, I wouldn't even say this is one specific church. This has been a variety of churches that I've had pretty um, uh, become privy to, and it's uh, just a lot of things that feel like they're not working the way they're supposed to with um, structures that are set up for for power. And I, I mean, it's. Man, I'm trying not to be overly critical here, but there's just huh, the way money is being used, the way um, building in use one, one time per week. Um, man, I try not to. There's just there's a lot of things that I'm I can flush out whatever you need to fl- me to flush out in that. But how is this? What it's told me is that church can work well on a much lower budget, and that people's lives can be impacted more significantly with with without the current structures that we that that most churches are doing because that's the way that we've always done it and in theory that that time that goes toward a lot of things to keep the system going uh, greeters and coffee makers and, and and everything else can can go toward toward pretty tangible needs in the community and that money that can go that goes toward those sort of things can go to some other pretty real needs too uh so i think it's 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 hard like the hard thing is you when you start thinking like this it can really blow your mind about the possibilities that can happen like like what it can lead to and i think that's daunting and it's scary and it's uh uh, and I think that fear is what keeps people doing things the way that, that, that we've already always done it. So I don't even remember what the question was. What, what's the possibility of like where churches? I just, I'm just curious, your own, your own personal wrestling with, you know, you talk about the systems of the church, the understanding of the church, God's heart for the church. How has that been affected through your experience of doing cul-de-sac church? And so I, I think those are great examples. You know, I, you know, what's really interesting for me, Jeff, is that uh, you're not, really an anomaly. What I've noticed during COVID is there's a lot of people asking the same questions you are, is it's causing us to see, wow, some of the systems that we've had in place are crumbling. And man, maybe there is another way. Or is God trying to get us our attention on some things? Not that it was all bad, but is there some things we could explore differently and that cost less money and empower more people? And that's just encouraging of you, I've gotten a closer up hand, up, up close and personal look at what God's been doing with you and your family, but it's happening all over our city. It's happening, people in different uh, churches, different backgrounds, different things, that they're all starting to ask those same questions, going, what might God be up to? And for me, that's pretty exciting to think about. I love the way you said it, like the the, the possibilities, like when you start dreaming about the possibilities, I think it's wild. How am I, our city look different. What, like you, you've got a picture of this in your cul-de-sac. It's looking different than it did before COVID. What would happen if that same thing happened in cul-de-sacs and city blocks around our city, around our state, around our, our nation? How might our world be changed because of that? And that gets me pumped. And that's why I just, I love what God's doing. And so I, I, I think one last thought I have would be, okay, your family's been changed. Your kids have been changed. You've been changed. Not that you have all the answers. You're trying to figure it out. 
how is how has your cul-de-sac been changed? How does your cul-de-sac look different now than it did back at the beginning of March before COVID? When you felt love in such a tangible way, the natural expression is to do it to other people. So uh, it's created an, an outward focus. I think increasingly over the decades, communities have become more, uh, more closed, less knowing their neighbors. And I would say compared to most neighborhoods, most, most uh, blocks, we were probably closer in the first place, but not at this level, not at this level of praying for people's kids and hearing their hurts and, 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 and knowing their fears and, and, uh, attempting to meet their needs and in many ways meeting their needs, that that closeness is, is so different than, than what it's been in the past. That's awesome. What about for those that don't participate in the cul-de-sac church? Maybe they don't, they don't follow Jesus. Has you guys uh, being the church together in this simple way, has it had any impact on them at this point? I don't know. That, that's one of the big things that I wrestle with is like how— uh, how how are we making disciples in our current structure, and how are we? Uh, how are, we're still primarily because we're in the neighborhood of similar socioeconomic class and similar, um, and, and everybody in, that, that's attending currently would claim to be Christians, and so uh, that's a question that I haven't figured out yet. I haven't because that appears to be such a an important. I mean. It's, it's not just an important thing. It is the thing. Go and, go and make disciples. Like, so uh, that's something that I haven't completely figured out yet. Well, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what the Lord is going to do, and I can't wait to learn, continue to learn from you as you guys do this. But I do think there is a powerful witness to your neighborhood of the love that you've extended towards each other. It makes me think of, is it John 13, 15? I don't know, somewhere in there. Maybe both. Which is by this, they will know that you're my disciples, by your love for one another. I think that love that you guys are extending toward each other is powerful. And so I'm excited to see what the Lord does. You guys have been an inspiration to me and an inspiration to many people of you just listening to the Lord and figuring out what this looks like together in your cul-de-sac. And so uh, I, I'm pumped for what the future holds. And so thanks for teaching us, man. I appreciate it. Cool. Thank you. Thank you.